Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash here with you and one entrepreneur to another entrepreneur. I have Fred Chavesta here, the founder of Finder, who's got a new book out and it's called Go Live, 10 Principles to Launch a Global Empire. And I love his subtitle. Everyone has a good idea, but it might take 39 bad ones before a good idea takes off. And I think he's got the the reputation and the experience and the, uh, the the failures under his belt to to testify to that. Welcome to the show, Fred. Thanks very much, Johnny. And uh, writing a book, I mean, was it uh, difficult to kind of sit down and get you know pen to paper, keyboard moving, and or did it just roll out because you were just kind of tapping into all all of those experiences of startups and and reinventing yourself and going again how did it all play out for you you know i think um the one thing that's tough with writing a book is you know what are you going to write about and um i think particularly um you know i've i've i wrote like a small self-published book a long time ago but this is like a you know a proper published book and it was like it was a lot of work. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had like I spent hours and hours recording interviews and just telling stories. And from that, you know, one editor said, "Look, there's incredible content here, but I just don't know what to write about." And that was that was probably the, the first challenge. And then I think writing and, and 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 telling stories is not the, like i have unlimited content like you know tony you'd know you could just you just tell the stories that you've experienced and those are the stories that people they love to hear because there's trials and tribulations and you're continuously going on adventures and doing things that you don't know the answer to and you don't know what the result's going to be and it's exciting um and i think that that's easy and I think that the tough part was really boiled down. Like, what do I have to say? What can I teach people? And, you know, I don't think I have a get rich quick scheme or a how to lose weight or, a, you know, um, make money through investing or something. You know, I, I don't know if that's my thing. And I'm not thing I'm very good at, you know, giving people a whole bunch of rules because I break rules all the time. Um, but I do think there were, you know, and what I started to unpack is I think there's some eternal principles that I apply to my thinking and apply to put, putting, thing, putting things live. And I think I just try to really write down those things to help someone go from zero to one. And with that also, what are the things I'm thinking in those moments? And I think here are a whole bunch of stories that you can relate to, to see them in motion and to see them playing out. And some of them don't work out, right? Some of them, you know, don't work out and that's fine. But some, like most of the time, the principle remains and I feel that that principle comes through. And I think that's what I help, hope to share. Mm. So 39 businesses that you started before Finder, I mean, that's quite incredible to have that uh, persistence, resilience, ability to pivot, learn from what you were, what you were doing. Many people would have stopped a hell of a lot earlier. Uh, did did you um, were there some there that um, right from the outset you kind of knew that this doesn't feel 
feel right. So you quickly moved on and others had a lot more, more legs and you felt like you, you gave it more of a shot. How did, how did, cause I don't know a lot about your, and you know, really know about finder. Everyone knows about, you know, the success stories, of course. Um, and the others get lost in the, in the noise in the background, but, um, with that, you know, how did that play out for you? I'm curious as one entrepreneur to another. You know, I, I just built a lot of websites, you know, I, I can code and back then, you know, a lot of them were WordPress and, um, you know, I'm pretty good at marketing things on the internet and just starting up stuff. I have no shortage of ideas. That's not, not my issue. Um, it's probably more the problem. Um, so, you know, we built a sports betting site as an example, you know, and we, we sort of compared where to, where, you know, the deals that were out there and that sort of just ticked along in the background. It was just a, a, a little business. It could have been a really big business. Um, it's just with that one, for example, just felt a little weird, I guess, about publishing sports betting stuff just because you, you make money and people lose. And so just philosophically, we felt a little uncomfortable about that one. Um, you know, I built a Mother's Day present site and it was great, but Mother's Day only happens one time a year. Um, we built christmasday.com.au. And again, it was a great little website, but yeah, only happens one time a year. Um, the Sudoku site when it was popular, we built a poker site when, when, um, you know, remember, um, uh, Texas Hold'em ballooned and became really big for a while back in 06. Um, and we kept that running and it's, it sent tables and chips and stuff out to people, but. I think we should have actually gone into the digital poker. That would probably have been better. Um, you know, poker is a little different because you you send money to each other, not not you know to the house takes a rake, sure, but at the end of the day, I think it's a little bit different the dynamic. So I, I felt okay about that one. Um, what else? Jeez, um, it's just a, just a process of trial and error, you know, and just putting things out there. I, I just do it a lot. <laughs> so are you still doing that or has, has finder kind of taken over because it really it really got big and and you needed to dedicate all your attention to that it's still inside finder but in a different way so we translated that into you know you can put up a, a niche or a comparison or a little couple of pages on finder very quickly and that's how we've experimented and launched all sorts of things over time and we keep keep doing that we keep trying new things but it's a lot cheaper because you just can put a few pages live and, and test it out. Um, it just reminded me there was this niche I found one day. It's called commission rebates, where you can get the rebate of your the commission that normally gets paid to a broker rebated back to you. Um, and there was a there's a process and a, a set of services that do this um, in all sorts of areas, right? But it was just a niche, and I was like, oh, this could be big, and then. You know, I found out it was very, 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 very small. <laughs> um, and so that one closed down. So it sounds like you've got a great sense of curiosity, like um, just observing and, and seeing and, and, and watching for, for opportunities. Obviously, that's part of your innate nature. I'm sure your, your teachers at school probably said that that's exactly Fred. That's what he was like at school. Um, would you agree that that the level of curiosity, you, the the desire to ask questions, to dive a little deeper into something, is an important part of being an entrepreneur? 
I know um, of a lot of successful entrepreneurs and they all have different attributes and skills to them. I think I've seen a lot that aren't, you know, as voracious and curious like me. I think that's maybe what I over-index in and, you know, how we stay relevant and keep moving forward and always in front of people. And I think that's probably how we do that. Whereas I see, a lot, I know a lot of entrepreneurs where they just have something very, very simple and compelling and they just keep making it better and better and better and better. And, that, and they just stay focused in that way. And they don't innovate that much. You know, like I look at a company, say, for example, Afterpay, this is probably strong, but I just don't think they're really that innovative. Like they've got a main product and that's it. They just keep incrementally improving that. There's not, there's not like, they're not, they're not like, you know, creating another business. They're just creating that one and just rolling out that one. That's, that's, that's what they do. And that's great. They've got this big wheelhouse. And I think for a long time, Google was like that. You know, it just had this one revenue stream that it just kept on, you know, funneling all this money into it. Now, obviously it's diversified to, to a large degree and they kept looking forward. You know, I think the purchase of YouTube was like that. I think that was smart. Um, you know, you look at, there's just several businesses I look at and they just do one thing really, really well. And they just keep doing that. And that's, yeah, I think it's probably not like myself. I think we we continually try and find more alpha, trying to find more, you know, yes, we've got those continued incremental improvements, but we also try and find more places to get more and more alpha. And I think what actually happened, I think it's really interesting is during COVID, we actually did really well from that because we were very diversified in the different verticals that we were involved with. So, you know, there's a big shopping area on Finder. There's a big um, share trading area and cryptocurrency area. And all of those niches did really well, whereas the other ones like credit and, and travel and all those kind of things didn't do so well. And so you kind of saw this, it sort of shifted the revenue into a different into different areas. I think that was only, that was maybe it was a bit of luck, but it was purely by, you know, our curious voracious nature you know that we we had some other other businesses that did really well so how well known do you feel finder is now in the australian marketplace is it do, do you feel like you've you're you're absolutely a household name do you feel like there's more um territory to capture where, where do you feel you sit in the landscape of things i think it's probably it's not that like I'd say it's a good fifty percent maybe. I think there's 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 a you know more people people anyone who's watched the TV or listened to the radio you know I think you can see it. someone I saw this Reddit post the other day it was the first time someone I've seen done a meme about Finder. It's like you show the Finder logo and people can hear the Finder logo first before they can actually say the words. And you know I think that's that's great you know. It probably needs more playing, but I think it's I think it's still, you know, there's still more awareness to come. And I think comparing is just a still, I think it's something which more Australians should do. I, I just think there's way more money to be saved. Um, and then now I think what's really interesting is we're really trying to move into become a place where you can invest as well. And I think that's that's the new new growth era for us, which is really great. Mm. And and so the the book, um, you got 10 principles. Um when you think back to 
um, the success of Finder versus the others that didn't succeed. Mm. Um, did all those principles play out? Or um, if you were like a, a surfer, did you did you get the right wave at the right time? And 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 did you feel that um, that swell building up underneath you quickly? And mm. you and you knew that Finder was the one because it um, it had a, a very different um, feedback and attributes and and momentum how, how did how did that how does that feel now that you've had that experience of this going all the way yeah i you know it's such a great analogy tony you use you know i i'm not a great surfer but you know i do surf and when i catch a good wave i'm very happy about it and you get that feeling because you hit the right timing you hit the right um you know you just got the right position and then just right and it's just that feeling is beautiful yeah, I think it was like for me, I, you know, maybe I'm just relentless like that. And I don't really mind failing and starting again. That doesn't really bother me too much. Um, it's annoying, but yeah. And then when, when I, when I find something that really works, we basically consolidated and concentrated our capital and went all in. And, and it was, it was literally every single little bit of effort was 10 X rewarded. That's, you're exactly right. It was that feeling where whatever you did, whatever idea, whatever I added, it made it go faster. And, you know, I think that's really strong. That's, that's, that's that. Yeah. But there's, there's an aspect to that when you haven't had that wave yet. Um, and, and I'm not a surfer at all. So you've done more than me. I've never even taken a board out. I body surf that's um, and with a boogie board, that's it. Uh, but I can understand. I really get get a sense of that kind of feeling, of that being able to pick that wave all the way out there, like the great ones can do. But then once you're on the wave, to actually continue to to make mm. your moves and get up in the pipe and do this and do that, rather than being wiped out, takes a lot of experience as well. And you you actually hadn't had, um, mm. you didn't write write it all the way in and get your ten points from the judges um, yet. So was there a lot of um wild thinking on your feet and almost wiping out and as the thing started to build because i think that's something that entrepreneurs want to know as well like um when things start to go well how did you keep yourself standing up and solid and and still keep and riding riding the wave all the way through and then get, and as you're doing going back and writing another one and another one because you've the business is still firing um at you know at 100 percent. so how, how did you know that how to was it intuition and instinct? No, I read a lot of books. Um, I love books. I think that's probably, people ask me, you know, do you have any mentors? And I'm like, I'm not sure if I have any mentors, but I, I just read a lot of books. Um, I think books are great. I think they're like, it's actually sometimes forgotten how powerful the written word is because it's literally just so, I think it's changed humanity. And, you know, I think Gutenberg literally, you know, the internet is just Gutenberg digitally, right? Um, and, and and the internet to me is just a big, massive explosion of media. That's that's really what it all comes down to. Yes, there's some functionality. And I think now with crypto adding on top, you've got money involved as well, which is internet, you know, web 3.0, which I think is great. But, you know, I, I think I kind of see it as when, when you go surfing, you know, you're, you're not on the wave that long. Like it's not that long. 
and you're mainly in the water paddling a lot of the time. That's and you get pretty tired, right? And maybe I'm just not super surf fit, but as well, that's probably another factor. Um, I see it as like short stints of goals and milestones. You know, you're kind of looking up, you know, it's like when you're skiing as well, you're going real fast. You're kind of looking up, but you're also looking where you're going and you look where you are and you're looking up where you're going and then you're like looking where you are and seeing where people are going. And then you're kind of balancing all those things all at the same time. Um, so when I, when I break that down is when you're on the wave, yeah, I'm looking long-term medium term and just literally short term, is this wave going to end? You know, is it going to crash with another wave? Is there a surfer in my way? Um, I think I'm much better at balancing and, and really guiding that long-term part. And that's something which took me a while to realize and medium term, pretty good. Short term, I'm okay. I think the medium term frustrates me the most. That's probably where I expect things to be today, but they're probably actually in three months time and I'm like, well, that's like five years to me. But, you know, I think that's probably where I get frustrated and I don't do it the, the best job of. Um, and that's why I think there are other people around in Finder that, that do a better job of that. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely continuously talking about the vision and where we're going long-term. Um, I, I am concerned, it's really strange, but I look at the real day-to-day minutia sometimes as well, like what's going on now and executing really well today and then i think the medium term i find a little hard it's probably my weakness um i've gotten better at it and and this comes down to maybe something which took me a long time to figure out tony is yeah when you're on the wave to me that's like i'm going to correlate this with capital allocation so i think there's kind of two things as a ceo one is operating the company you know like we're surf the board now um, you know, where are we surfing to? Uh, what are we doing now? And then I think there's like the medium term with that to some extent. Then I think there's this, okay, where are we eventually, where are we allocating overall money to? Where is actual money and funds flowing into? And that to me is a skill, which I think is the harder one that takes a long time to figure out and be really good at because it's it's kind of, it's kind of like you want to do certain things, but actually you should do something else. Or if you actually want to deliver on the strategy over a certain period of time, you need to allocate capital. And in that, you're probably going to go down J curve. And that doesn't feel great, particularly when, you know, funders was, has been and still is a cash flow funded business, right? It's hundred percent bootstrap. So you're concerned about the cash coming in, but then you've got to also act with medium and long-term interest. And so I think it's like, where are you surfing right now in order to eventually end up the getting out of the, out on the beach in a certain place and then position yourself to then go and have a great drink at that bar. You know, that's probably, you know, thinking like that. And I think that's, 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 that's actually really hard to do. And it may be, you need to go out and surf a few waves to come in, to get to that location. And that, that can happen as well. Right. But I think, I think, um, um, I think Jeff Bezos said it, and I, I, as I said, I've read a lot of these books. You know, he's, he's absolutely non-negotiable on the vision, but comp, you know, we're willing to compromise on the details. I think that's that's what took me a long time to to get comfortable with. Mm. It's interesting that you you talk. There's a few things you said there that um, that stimulate some thoughts for me. One, 
I was in a, an event the other day with one of the uh, New South Wales ministers, and he talked about my in the terms of education because that that's one of his um, things in terms of investment um, in education is um, is that there's going to be a lot more micro credentialing going on around Australia where not necessarily doing a big degree but looking at various skills and 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 um, and you know pockets of information that they can use in their everyday life and I said to him well a book is micro credentialing um, buy any book and you'll get them if you really um, you really dive into it and understand what the author has taken and you've gone on this journey to write a book um, and and so the the author has really distilled it down to a certain number of pages made it easy to try to to digest and and so it's exactly what you're saying so um people listening you know fred's got a new book go live it's actually coming out it's not out yet is it it's coming out on uh the 10th of august so we're we're ahead of the curve here so place your pre-order for go live and and fred has put 10 principles to launch a global empire um and you know for well booktopia is selling it for 24.75 right now but you know go to any bookshop when it's out and 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 buy it and you will um do what what fred has done for years it sounds like is is buy books and immerse yourself in what what those experts have to say so that i i'm with you on that i mean i i listen to books so i'm not much of a reader with my adhd i can't sit there like you i've got to i've got to actually listen to it which is a good way for me to ingest the information and and make it automatic um maybe one of the things you talked about you know the destination for me when you when you think about when you're on the wave and all of those things are happening perhaps for me is a little bit more like the skiing analogy that you mentioned before where you're you're on the slope and you go oh am i going to stop off at that you know at that tavern up there on the mountain and have have my my drink and or am i going to go all the way down to the bottom of the valley and that ability to be able to to um have an endpoint in mind um makes a lot of sense it's the way that i've i've built my business in terms of um in terms of finder and and then raising capital and and funding the business how have you gone about that well you know i think it's as i said today it's just been cash flow funded um so we just put money aside you know we, we made free cash flow and then we put that aside and then we would deploy that into other investments internally and we would make more free cash flow and then um yeah it's kind of a unique position but because i think we in the beginning we just created a lot of cash flow and we just kept building this engine that drove free cash flow. we've always focused on cash basically bring more cash in i know that's a bit old school but um i think it's the way to run a business that's 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 how i run businesses i focus on the cash coming in and that's a that's that's yeah and cut costs right continuously cut costs um and but but in, you know the, the 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 beauty is when you can you know adjust what you're doing that saves money but also creates growth the, 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 those the, that to me is the brilliance and you know that's how it's very it's not easy to do but i think it's it's something which um yeah we've tried to do over a, a period of time and i think it's that's that's that is the key that's for those that have listened to my podcast series, I think you would have heard me say many times exactly what Fred just said there is 
is that at Booktopia, we just focused on the cash and, um, and that I learned that from training with Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. Um, that's, that's all he said. And in the beginning, don't worry about profit and loss. Don't worry about balance sheet. Just have a cash flow statement. And if there's more cash at the end of the month, then, then more month at the end of the cash, you're heading in the right direction. Mm. So that um, I think we're, we're aligned there. So, so self-funded like Booktopia, we did our first raise um, in uh, the beginning of 2020, six weeks before COVID hit, $8 million when we were at $150 million in revenue and we're, uh, we listed on the ASX in, uh, by the end of the year. So um, we have access to capital now, which means we can, we can do things. I, you mentioned something before about cutting costs. For us at Booktopia, it's been very much around, you know, how, can, how can we generate more sales? How can we save time or how can we save money? And we are certainly spending more money today than we've ever done before, but uh, we're making more profit. And, and therefore, there is, there is that operational leverage, that ability to be able to generate more, more cash, but then have, have more money um, kind of dropping to the bottom line as, as, as we grow. When you say cut costs, I'm assuming you're saying the very a similar thing is that you're still investing, you're still adding to probably your cost base, but you're, you're analyzing all the time and finding out what's not working for you, I assume. Well, I think there's two things. Yeah, I think you can, you know, cut back wastage. So that's that's one thing. Um, what I'm, I'm actually talking about is, you know, creative ways to um, save money um, and but still, you know, deliver if not a better outcome to the customer. Um, and it may be, or maybe the same. So, you know, are there some small automations that we can program and bring out? Is there an algorithm that could do something that you know a bunch of people are doing, um, and and you know, and 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 that that obviously will save money and do a better job for the customer? Um, you know, can we program um, our um, organization and people to be in such a structure so as that less less times used to deliver things to partners or? You know, I just think there's lots and lots of um, creative ways to get really fit internally um, and automate things. And it may it may mean just you just less opex, but you deliver the same outcome to the customer. And it, and sometimes it could just be literally just cutting a whole bunch of things that don't actually matter. That's that's really that second half. But I'm really talking about getting operationally fit. So when, when you think about the book then and the 10 principles, is there a bit of a target audience? Is it for millennials or, or people who are in jobs who are thinking, gosh, I wish, you know, I've always wanted to start out on my own and, uh, you know, I don't know enough. I don't know anything. What, uh, is it for the entrepreneurs that are there right now who have got their business and they're, they're still like you were doing with many projects that didn't, weren't working? Who, who do you think, or is it for CEOs of, listed companies like myself, where, where do you think? So I think that, yeah, I think there are two, two, two key audiences. One is, yes, I do think CEOs would buy the book, but to give it to your team, because you want to see innovation and you want to see growth. Um, and you don't want to be the, the, the sole person who's continuously driving that alpha and creating that and, you know, driving, driving initiatives. You want them to innovate and, um, be innovative in of themselves and create businesses like be entrepreneurs. I think that these principles will help with that. 
because um, you know, I think it's 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 sort of reframing that. I think the second one really is um, someone who wants to get an idea live, but um, has not quite, you know, they've got the template, they've got all the bits, but they just, you know, haven't quite got the feeling and the comfort and the confidence just to put it out there. And I think that's 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 the other half of that book really is that confidence part. The first one is like, you know, how do you come up with an idea? How do you get that going? And the second one's really, you know, getting the confidence and really pushing it out there, right? Mm. And I think I think a lot of those, I just think if you can come back to some principles, to come back to some fundamentals, um, when you're thinking about those decisions, um, I think that would really, really help a lot of people um, in those moments where you need to be confident need to take a risk because risk is the hardest thing, right? You don't want to lose your job, but at the same time, if you don't take any risk, you're not going to get any alpha. You're just going to get the market returns. You're just going to get what everyone else gets in the market, right? Everyone else is reading the same reports, doing the same marketing, buying the same keywords. Everyone else is doing the same thing. What are you? What risk are you going to take in order to drive an outcome? And how can you, what are the things you can think about? What are the principles or ideas that ensure that that's probably going to work? I think that's what this book's about. Mm. So when um, when you think you mentioned your team and met, or, or not just the CEO but for the team and for for anyone at any level to be innovative and to to be imagining something better for the customer, the the team that you have around you, um, um, it's obviously not just one or two people. It sounds like you've got an extended um, leadership team. How did you how did you attract them into your organization in the beginning? retain them what was the you know what was the um because that's how it is for me that booktopia is not just me it's it's an incredible talented group of people that are very um, skilled in each area of of the disciplines that we need to run our business so how did you guys do that i think um slowly and incrementally um (laughs) you know i don't think it's 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 really identifying what I look for as certain traits in people and you know what their role is is not you know necessarily I I I want everyone to be great innovators and great leaders. You know, there are 10 leadership principles at Finder and sorry, they're not 10 leadership principles, my apologies. There are 12 leadership principles at Finder. Um and um you know, a lot of them talk about innovation. A lot of them talk about, you know, making things better, um, taking risks, um, deploying capital. Um, and I just look for those qualities, really. I think that's what I did, Tony. I, I, it's hard. It's a great question because it's, yeah, it's a little bit of intuition. Um, a lot of them, a lot of the other leaders at Finder, I wouldn't say are like myself. They're probably, yeah, I think, I have a certain aspect to the business and I actually don't think most of the time my contribution is, you know, it's not the operational day-to-day. It's not really relevant. It's more, you know, I sit, I very much focus on fun adventures and innovating and I do think I can give counsel to our leaders and, you know, talk about history and talk about past things that we've done. And that's hard. Sometimes there's only one way to know that because you, you know, I put my own money up and I was the one who took the risk and got the result. Right. And that's the, that's the ultimate way when you, you know, you want to, you want to give, I think advice is 
I'm sure you've done the same thing, Tony, where you put your own money up and you know you were the guy at the end of the day that took all the risk. Um, and I think most of the time I just try and push to a few things, um, you know, remarkableness, risk taking, capital allocation, adaptability, just being super hyper proactive. Um, and those kind of people, you know, I think they take a lot of ideas and thoughts that I have and they turn them into reality. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, I just look at people who just get stuff done, really. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you then, with with the pandemic, um, you're a tech company, uh, you've probably got a lot of um, people working from home. How, how do you feel as a CEO in terms of the energy and the synergy of people working in the same physical space so they can feed off each other, that young people, new people coming into the business can can be within shoulders length or earshot of what else is going on that then invigorates them and furthers their career versus saying like Atlassian, which is, all right, everyone can work, should work at home and you can come into the office four days a year. Um, what's your view on that? Um, and the you probably got a lot of young, um, talented tech people who, who um, have through the last year have worked at home um, know what it was probably like to work in an office. What's your take on where things are going to, how things are going to shake out over the next few years? I think that anyone who wants to get ahead should, at the end of the day, if you want to go, if you want to be in it, got to go to the office. Mm, good point. That's how I feel as well. That I know because I, I'm 57 years old. I'm an entrepreneur, but it was in those younger years being in a desk near somebody else who was very experienced that I heard what they said in that conversation or how they negotiated okay. that or whatever they, the way that they applied themselves. So the more that we, uh, and I worry for mental health. Um, it may be great to be very productive at certain times to be at home. Um, on, and for us, it's always what's best for the customer. So it's like, if, if today you need to work at home because you got to get stuff done, do it. Um, but then understand that it's all going to, all the magic's going to happen at the office. So it's, it's very interesting to hear um, your, your take on that. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent. I've been coming to the office since July, 2020, since it was like still COVID was going on everywhere. I, I was like, nah. And my team just started coming in of their own volition. I said like, it's up, it's, this is high risk and it's up to you and you need to make that choice. But the ones that want to get ahead, they come in. Mm. That's the straight chat. You got to be around the leaders. You got to be in their face. You just got to be there, hear them, know them. And, and that's, they're the people who get ahead. They get the attention because unfortunately, <clears throat> as humans, we have not evolved past our um, organic being self and we're still very reptilian. Um and that's the straight chat, right? Like, I just think if you're always digital, unfortunately, you know, you get forgotten and it's tough. That's not to say like, you know, I'm on Slack 24 seven all around the world, right? I'm just constantly, you know, there. But I do think that the ongoing presence, the creativity, the intuition gets built when you're near someone then you start to osmotically take that in. Whereas, you know, I think 
there are moments in time when I do think <clears throat> you can, you know, stay at home and focus on something and not even do it myself. You know, I need to do something, you know, I get that. And I think there are, there are developers and engineers and, you know, designers that find that find that really powerful. And I think that's great because, you know, I can be a bit disruptive as well. Um, but I do think the straight chat is if you, if you want to get ahead, you got to go in the office. So Fred, we're coming to the time, the end of our time together. Uh, congrats again on your book, Go Live, coming out in August, available in all good bookshops or bad bookshops or any bookshop and, and Booktopia, Amazon, anywhere online. Do, do yourselves a favor, guys, go out and buy Fred's book. Um, but before we go, is there anything that maybe we haven't covered or you thought, oh, I really want to talk about that um, and, and we haven't yet come across it yet? I think, you know, I, I think one of the things that I, you know, I'm very focused on and I think it's really challenging as, and I could imagine, Tony, I'm interested in your thoughts on this as well, is just innovation. And innovation is a, blood, a bloody sport, I think, because most of it dies. Um, and it dies on the, on the footsteps in front of a customer quietly and perishes, you know, like, and, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a sad thing, but actually it's just the nature of it, right? Um, you know, I think another part I think is really tough about it is there's incremental innovation, which I think is interesting and it's important to have inside the company. I think a lot of companies do that. You know, they have an idea, they incrementally can improve. The hard one to me is where you take big leaps, where you take a big leap forward, where you... You know, you're Sony. I love Sony. You're Sony and you are making RAM for years. Then you go and make a Walkman. Like, wow. <laughs> or you make a PlayStation. Like you, the chairman who was literally his hand was shaking as he ordered 1.3 million um, chips that processed the graphics, 3D graphics of the PlayStation because there was only 2D graphics because the Nintendo was around. His hand was shaking as he signed the order, right? That's a big bet. That's, that's the kind of... Those... Those moments, I think, you know, I feel very, I'm sort of focused on, you know, that's where I think I'm you know, with Finder Ventures. And we launched this app, you know, you can buy and sell crypto in the Finder app now. There's a digital wallet there. Just just the leaps forward. I personally have been experiencing that a lot. I'm interested in your thoughts as well on the, on those, that allocation, Tony, and, and the, the way you think about that. Yeah, so if, it's a great one, isn't it? I mean, we could talk for the whole session on that. Um, I like to break up words. Uh, so the word intuition, intuition, in training. So you take all your experience and you put it in your gut. And then when things come up in the future, you kind of, you kind of refer to your intuition, your gut feel on something and, and disappointment. How can a word like appointment, which is pretty bland and neutral, put dis in front of it and had so much heavy energy around it? And, and so then I was thinking about innovation or innovate, to innovate the other day. And Novate, you know, if you look up Novate on and to understand what Novate is, is to, you know, roll over and, and renew to have something new or to upgrade it, to Novate it into something else. So in that, if you're in that, then you are, you're doing it. What I like about innovation or what I'm mindful of is the, the risk and which you talk about, you've talked about and how we can test and check it out without risking too much. So you, you, you kind of, take baby steps and, and 
feel like okay we've got enough information you don't need to always like what they had to do at sony you know manufacture and order 1.3 million or that could end up being 1.3 billion chips um it's like we we don't have to risk as much so it's about understanding those those risks as you get bigger and bigger there's a lot more at stake and when we, we've made acquisitions in the past and the acquisitions that we've made we wanted to make sure that we didn't put the current business at at stake so you, as you get bigger and bigger you need to you need to have that um to me innovation um or to be entrepreneurial which is quite frankly the same thing is and you can be a, as you said an entrepreneur um within an organization still have that kind of that mindset uh where you're thinking up new things i think for me mostly it's about being a three-dimensional thinker and and just because the book industry um is what it is today doesn't mean what it's going to be in the future and one of the reasons why booktopia was so successful is i came in from outside of the book industry with my experience and my thinking and i they they just saw the world was always flat or that you know that's the valley that we work in and that's the view and that's the river down the middle and there are the plains and that's where you go and the crops and the animals are like they just saw everything the same as it always was um and it's an old industry, as you were saying, the Gutenberg uh, Bible, 1452. So, and certainly for the last several decades, it has been very similar. So I came in with different thinking and was able to see things that they couldn't see because I was looking at from another side of the valley that they had never even thought about before. Or, you know, how does it look from on top or underneath? Or if we twirl it around and look at it this way. So my main thing is to always have that three-dimensional thinking and don't take today for granted that it's always going to be there it's, you have to constantly you know understand that this it could all change under a certain circumstances so be nimble um constantly don't take anything for granted is, is really one of the things that i've learned um thus far i love it i love it i can imagine i love books by the way attorney i i'd second i'm the poster child i've got I buy, I buy non, I like, I buy a lot of books, but I, I very select books, but I'm a, that's where I've learned, you know, I wasn't a great student at university, but I was a great student outside and books. I love your business, Tony. And I, I think you're doing everyone a great service to keep providing those. And that's something which I, I read to my kids every day as best as I possibly can. And, you know, books are to me, one of the, it's a gift of humanity and it's thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks, mate. It was interesting as we went through the uh, the roadshows for the IPO, how um, four and a half years ago when we tried to list uh, and we didn't get it away for you know, various reasons, but Amazon announced that they were coming to Australia was one of them. And it was all about Amazon. They're going to annihilate you. This time around, it wasn't about Amazon. They couldn't care less about Amazon. They knew Amazon wasn't a threat. It was all about digital, you know, digital, digital, the eBooks, you know, how's that, how's that going to go? And I, I said, I said to them, look, just humor me out, if you will. I said, let's play an experiment where we get everyone on the planet to stay at home and be locked at home, right? But they can still buy things online. You could buy a book and be reading the digital version within eight seconds, or you could buy the physical version and have it ordered and be delivered to you within a few days or whatever it may be. Everyone went right around the planet. Everyone went to ordering the physical version of the book. Um, they, a lot of people still ordered the digital and they also others were listening to books like I do. I listen to books, but it, and they go, oh, yeah, you're right. It's like, that's, you know, I spend so much time on my phone and on my screen. The last thing I want, I want to do is read a book digitally. And, and I think 
I think there's a lot to learn about that. Just not I agree. just from books, but for other industries and how people and how humanity engages and how tactile and the things how we how we want to consume content and and, and so on. It's it's really interesting. Mate, we're coming to the end of the time. I know you've got an appointment in a in a couple of minutes. So congrats on go live and we look forward to selling tons of it. And we look forward also to hearing of what other ingenious um, businesses you come up with as you as you take your walk of curiosity. Thank you so much, Tony. And thanks everyone for listening. You found the best podcast. Tony does it great. <laughs> Good on you. See you. Speak soon. Thanks, Tony. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.